Welcome back to Fully Equipped. Producer Mark here filling in for a vacationing Jonathan Wall, but have no fear. I am still joined by Golf Laboratories President Gene Parenti and True Spec Golf's VP of Tour and Education, Chris McCormick. Guys, it was a wild weekend out here in Scottsdale for the Waste Management Phoenix Open, but more importantly, how are you guys doing? Yeah, I can't complain. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed watching a little bit of golf this week and right in the backyard in Scottsdale. I mean, how could you not like watching that event? It feels like the the year really gets started when uh, when everything comes to Phoenix, and it's just one giant party that happens to be in the middle of a golf tournament. So let me ask you a question, Chris. How many years have you been going to the tournament? I, I've been in Phoenix now uh, going on 12 years, and I have been every single year that I've been in Phoenix. So have you – like the only time I've been was six years ago. But I was amazed at the infrastructure of that tournament. I mean, and obviously, you know, it started at 16, but now 17. And there's just, there's like grandstands in this arena-like atmosphere. And it's just, it, 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 that just continues to grow, right? It is. I mean, the the amount of hospitality areas, VIP areas, corporate sponsors at this event, it's crazy. And 16 has turned into you know, a modern day Coliseum and the players <laughs> are our gladiators. I mean, that yeah. is, uh, they get cheered, they get booed. There's, I mean, no shortage of drama in that, uh, in that environment whatsoever. I mean, we saw, did, did you happen to see the, uh, the reaction to hole in ones and chip ins and things of that nature oh, yeah. that happened? Oh my gosh. I mean, that was intense. I mean, it's just, well, two, two hole in ones in one week <clears throat> is really crazy. And you know, that just had to up the madness of that place, you know, tenfold. So, oh yeah, I and mean, after being at that event several times, I uh, I do my best to avoid that place like the plague on Friday and Saturday. <laughs> it's uh, I can see. I that. mean, it, it can get overwhelming. I mean, there's just so much going on and so many people, but the uh, the energy there, the I mean, just the the whole vibe of the event is unlike anything I've seen at any other tour stop. That's for sure. Very, very well, unique I'll, venue. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, one of the Thunderbirds who they put on the event um, was taking me a couple days before we did our exhibition and he was showing me the grounds and everything. We were in a cart and we pulled up next to this fence. It was a chain link fence and it was about maybe 50 yards in width. And most of the time, all those chain link fences have waste management like mesh over them, you know, for advertisements and stuff. And this fence was wide open. And he goes, you see that fence over there? And I said, yeah. And he goes, the cops stand here at 6 a.m. And when the ASU students roll up in their buses they take the ones that are too inebriated and put zip ties on them and zip tie them to the fence and send them to the drunk tank. And I go, wait a minute. I go, you're not saying noon, you're saying 6 a.m.? And he goes, 6 a.m., they're arresting them. So these um, golf patrons have been up all night getting primed and come rolling in at 6 a.m. I mean, and that just kind of, I was like, okay, it's going to be that kind of week type thing. And oh, sure yeah. enough, everywhere you went, it was that kind of week. And yeah, it's just, it's it's a spectacle like I'm, like no other as far as golf's concerned. Um, my first time out there, I've been here for 
three and a half years now, been all three years. My first time out there, I expected it to be something crazy, sort of ready for that. But I was not ready for at 10 a.m. seeing a, a co-ed uh, hop on a golf cart that was not hers and proceed to drive it out of control into an ATM machine again at 10 a.m. <laughs> and be arrested. And I was like, okay, this, this, is, this is something different. Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. It's, yeah, there is absolutely no shortage of some of the most fantastic people watching ever. I mean, the, uh, there, there are a demographic of patrons, we will say, that uh, decide to get slightly inebriated while wearing, you know, like six-inch stilettos and then walk around on uh, – very steep grass inclines and you watch the heel just sink into the ground as they start their tumble uh, ever so graceful down the side of these grassy slopes i uh i was right over by the entrance to uh 16 by 10 green right there and 11 t you know what i'm talking about <clears throat> and the back of uh 10 green uh, pat perez was on the putting green and this woman proceeded to do exactly that i mean her heel disappeared in the side of this uh this just wet side hill grassy slope <laughs> and she rolled all the way down the hill couldn't stop herself i mean she was so drunk she makes it down to the bottom of this hill and you know pat was on the green and had to stop and come check on her like Oh my God. That is yeah, so I mean, it, it was, uh, it was, it was entertaining to say the least. And we're all standing there just like, wow, that just happened. And <laughs> I mean, nowhere else in the tour schedule, nowhere else in the world, do you see anything like the three of us just described? I mean, how many venues, Gene, on the PGA tour have a fence specifically dedicated to <laughs> taking college students and detaining them because they're <laughs> too drunk at 6 a.m. Before the sun has come up. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but so we're, uh, we're, we're a few minutes into this pod. We haven't talked about any gear, but the, uh, the event is unlike any other. But we do have yeah. a new champ. We have, yes. we have Scotty Scheffler, who has become the undisputed champion of the desert. And Scotty, friend of the pod, we've talked about him multiple times. We love his bag, and I think we should get into it. Real quick, Chris, before we, before we get into the bag, I got to let everyone know that we have a new sponsor this week. And this episode, Ooh. Fully Equipped, is being brought to you by Golf Magazine Top 100 instructor George Gankis' new training aid, the G-Box. The G-Box is the absolute best training aid to help you make a full and complete body turn. To accomplish that complete turn, both beginners and professionals can utilize the G-Box in such a way as to not only promote the correct depth of backswing, but also proper width of the arms throughout their swing. The G-Box is not only easy to use, but provides the same immediate feedback from specific drills that George Gankis provides to all his players during their lessons. Simply said, the G-Box is the most versatile training aid in golf today for perfecting both your backswing and downswing drills. To pick up your G-Box, simply head over to golf.com pro shop and use promo code fully equipped for 10% off. That's promo code fully equipped. One word, F-U-L-L-Y-E-Q-U-I-P-P-E-D at the golf.com pro shop. Now, 
as Chris was saying, Gene, we got to talk the setup that was going on in the champion's bag. Well, you know, I, I was, as I'm, as I do, you know, whenever anybody wins, I, I was checking it out this morning and, uh, and his bag kind of is a testament to me to almost the witchcraft that, or alchemy or how, whatever word you want to use to describe what tour players look at equipment when they have confidence in their equipment. And so he's got a, a tailor-made stealth plus driver. So eight degree with an X flex shaft makes total sense. He's got a uh, utility uh, Strixon, but here's where it gets interesting. He's got a Strixon four iron and then a tailor-made P7 TW um, the Tiger Woods set five through pitching wedge. He's got bulky wedges, but this is my favorite. He's got a Nike VR Pro three wood, and I'm I know whoever you know he has contract with has tried to get him into a modern three wood, and for whatever reason, that <clears throat> three wood works. And so, Chris, my question to you: You've worked a ton with these guys. You know. And I know each one is different, but the psyche of when a club works for them and, and they have complete confidence in it, that in, even if you can prove something's better from a performance standpoint, a robot standpoint, they just stick with what they've got because it works. I, that is 100% accurate. And I mean, I've said this more times than I can count, the, the, the fairway wood and the putter are the two hardest clubs to get out of any type of i mean not even necessarily just competitive players not professionals not you know top level amateurs it's when you have confidence in those golf clubs i mean they are the hardest to swap out of a player's bag if they're working it's uh, i mean it's just difficult to find something that a player is open to making a change with it has to be exponentially better <clears throat> for them to even consider it most of the time i mean fairway woods are a, already a difficult golf club to hit for a lot of players out there and i mean it has the least amount of loft and you're hitting it straight off of the turf and there's just really no place to hide with it we've talked about that down several times that a lot of guys don't even carry a three wood anymore but mm -hmm with the shape and the launch characteristics and you know spin issues and trying to find one that checks those boxes of look good sound good feel good on player profile and then make sense numerically from a fitter perspective it's tough to do so when you find one that works tough to get it out of the bag well how about speak to me a little bit about this Strixon four iron in a blended set going into the tiger woods tailor mades it's like you know, number one, obviously, you've got to have gapping, but two, it's like, why not roll with the tailor-made four iron? I mean, you know, what what is the is is it just a confidence thing? Is it is it one of those clubs? And obviously, I'm just you know kind of thinking aloud here, but is it something that that you know he can lean on a little bit more, you know, and get a little bit more distance out of it potentially? And he didn't feel that way with the tailor-made four iron, uh, you know. I mean, that would be my assumption. I am really confident that Jay Wall has probably asked that question of Scotty going, <laughs> okay, I got to know why the ZX7. But I mean, if you look at the set makeup and look at the characteristics of those irons, I mean, ZX7 for us in a fitting perspective, 
I mean, those things are speed machines in that category. They produce a good amount of ball speed. They've got some perimeter weighting. CG's a little lower, a little easier to launch. And especially when you compare that to the P7TWs, I mean, there is a, a world of forgiveness comparing those two irons together. Now, mm-hmm. the, the ZX7 still going to be a forged product, going to have that kind of muscle cavity design to it. But it does have some perimeter weighting. And like we talked about, that weight distribution being below the equator of the golf ball does help it launch a little bit. So there's definitely room uh, for some forgiveness components compared to those P7TWs. Absolutely. So that would be my assumption is if we're looking for a club to give us a little bit of workability, a little bit of forgiveness, and you know potentially sneak out a little bit more ball speed. I mean, ZX7 is a great option. It's just interesting that he only has one. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's just his bag was, and, you know, going like we said, with the three-wood and the VR Pro, I mean, I tested that years ago for Nike, but we're talking years ago. And that's, oh, yeah. you know, I can't even, to be honest, remember what the launch spin characteristics are, but if I had to guess, probably you know a bit more spinning than you know modern day products so you know maybe maybe he likes that from a control standpoint or a targeting standpoint as opposed to just wanting to have you know the latest rocket ship three wood and that's it again i would assume a, a pretty safe assumption and a lot of the guys that are out there. I mean, they are looking for specific numbers out of that three wood. And yep. I mean, it becomes a, a very critical tool when it comes to where it finds its home in the bag. So, I mean, whether it be off the tee or a position club, they're looking for a launch window. They're looking for a spin characteristic. They're looking for a carry number, a particular ball flight shot shape. And they get very particular on what they want that golf club to do in order for it to find a home in the bag. We hit probably 15 or more different three woods from different manufacturers and working with one of our tour players this past week just to land on one. Wow. And, and I think that speaks to, you know, shot shape, gapping distance that this is kind of a hodgepodge of a set, but it works for him. He just won the waste management open. So, you know, his gapping was correct this week and, and, and it, and it works for him. And it, and it's, you know, there's kind of two ways to approach it. You can, you know, throw your lot in with an OEM and, you know, uh, putter to driver, have everything kind of laid out, or you can use this mix and match approach, which requires a little bit more, um, due diligence because you know we know that lofts are different from different manufacturers we know sure. that setups are different but if you can make it work you can be a pga tour winner so i wish it was that easy for me I mean, <laughs> you, you want to talk about brand agnostic and the and the benefits of being brand agnostic and it's something that i have a conversation with people every day because people come in with their own biases as we've talked about mm-hmm. and communicating to them that a company will make a great product. It just might not make a great product line that fits their particular game. So while we do testing, you may find that a tailor-made driver 
is absolutely the best the best driver out there for you but then when you get into fairway woods depending upon what you're looking at depending upon how your strike location is angles you create like we've discussed you know we might find that a titleist fairway wood works better for you or a callaway fairway wood and then we continue that process through the bag and there's there's so many circumstances that come up during a fitting when it comes to just checking those boxes for players I mean, you may walk out with four or five or more different manufacturers just throughout the bag. And I love seeing Scotty set up here because it's, uh, I mean, it's just a testament to play what works, not necessarily you know, who's giving you a paycheck to play their stuff. Would you say that, you know, I hate to use the word trend because it's, it's a little loaded, but there's movement towards this mixed bag amongst tour players as opposed to you know the complete bag putter to driver type thing um because i know for example kepka had this you know for a while and and it 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 seems like there's a there's a lot more um kind of desire amongst players to have flexibility in their set as opposed to being beholden to one manufacturer Oh, absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, I think we're going to continue to see that trend and not only from a player perspective, but I mean, the, the OEMs themselves are investing in certain marquee players and then the opportunity for other guys just isn't there as much as it used to be. So you're seeing guys be put in a position to where, okay, the world is my oyster. Nobody's willing to pay me to play, you know, a full 14 club deal. Now mm-hmm. here's my opportunity to capitalize on, you know, maybe driver hat golf ball from this company, maybe an iron deal from this company. I mean, you see some guys that are trending towards that, that partial deal. They'll play eight clubs, 10 clubs, whatever the case may be, and then kind of fill in with whatever it is that works, not necessarily one particular manufacturer, but the club that works. And I mean, to your point, Gene, I think that we're going to continue to kind of see this trend because the guys are realizing that, hey, all I need is one good week out there and the amount of money that they earn on the golf course eclipses, I mean, by leaps and bounds, what it is that a club manufacturer is going to pay them to play their equipment. Mm-hmm. If you have you have one solid week out there and get that uh, million plus dollar paycheck, I'm, there's not too many guys on tour that have a million plus dollar deal with any of the manufacturers. That's for sure. No, fair point. Very fair point. And it, it's, it shows, it shows though. And it kind of is, you know, the, the true spec philosophy is if you are brand agnostic and, you know, yes, the, the top OEMs and top manufacturers make great products, but, um, you know, that product, say for a three wood or a utility iron, might not be ideal for your specific set. And so the key is to test multiple options to see which one fits your, your game the best. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's another example of you don't just follow tour players you know, for entertainment, you can actually learn, you know, through their bag and through their setup and through their approach to competition, 
things that you can take away for your own personal game that allow you to play better golf. And, and so, you know, so much of it is always, well, those guys are on a different planet. Well, they are, but they're kind of doing the same thing. They're trying to find equipment that's optimized for their swing and, and especially their swing under pressure, you know, so that they can score well and they can win. I mean, that's the big one right there is finding a setup that, uh, just helps them to accomplish what it is that they want to see specifically under pressure. So, I mean, mm-hmm. eliminating a particular miss that they hate, that's huge for those guys, is trying to come up with some type of shaft and head combination and build combination. I say that because there's a lot of manipulation in the build process that does allow us to eliminate a particular miss. So, you mm. have head characteristics and shaft characteristics, but then you know, there's an opportunity to do some specific grinding on irons and wedges. There's an opportunity to add discretionary weight via hot melts or adjustable weight in metal woods and drivers. And I mean, there's just so many different opportunities to customize these sets and manipulate the characteristics of clubs to give players those specific results that they're looking for and eliminate misses. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, the the other one, I think we've talked about this before, and you've talked about this quite a bit, is how important dynamic lie angle is, especially with the irons, how those irons are being delivered to the ground. And if they're heel up or toe down, you know, you, you literally create a player can adjust for that. But a lot of that without a launch monitor and without accurate measurements of that delivery and without a, uh, a, a certified um, fitter that can interpret that and then direct to the right, uh, you know, equipment, that's all critical, you know, for, for these players. And once again, for amateurs as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just getting dialed in to make sure everything is kind of fine tuned, we'll say is important to be able to play your best golf. And if we can get more consistency out of a golf club just by changing the weighting component, adjusting a lie angle, you know, making a shaft change, length change, weight change, grip change, whatever the case may be, it it just makes sense. And I mean, you're seeing, as we mentioned, you know, more and more guys tinkering. And I love it. As a gearhead, I absolutely love it. Tinker away. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I agree. I agree completely. So did you have a, uh, did you have an opportunity to watch the, uh, the last bit of the, the Phoenix open and the, the drama that unfolded to get into the, the, the playoff? And I got to tell you, I was, I was really, really rooting for our buddy from the, uh, the corn Ferry tour. And I wanted to see him win. I really did. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, Sahith Thigala's story is. I, I, here's the thing, and and this is uh, this is totally selfish, but I don't want the cookie cutter. No offense, you know, guy that grew up at the country club and all he does is grind and you know gets up there and and has got the personality of a of a wet blanket. I, you know, I. I I, not I saying that Scotty Scheffler has that. Has no, that no, 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 no. There's no criticism of Scotty. This is just I, 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 you know, I love stories. I love villains. I love good guys. I love you know, and 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 Tigala's story, <coughs> and you know, and being up there, and 
you know, the way it turned out, he got so close and uh-huh. if that's, if that's not golf, I don't know what is, you know, and, and, and golf is golf's one of those sports where these guys grind for four days and he's going to fixate on one golf shot. <laughs> one <laughs> shot. Absolutely. And I mean, just the, the raw emotion at the end of the round, I, I felt for him. I wanted to give yeah. the guy a hug and yeah. I was pulling for him, man. I, that would have been just so cool and would have been great for golf too. I mean, just to see yeah. the, the Cinderella story yeah, I, it, it come into the winner's circle and, and pull out the W that would have been phenomenal, but as well, well as he well, played, it's going to happen. Yeah. And you know, he, he, you talk about a confidence booster. He's he's right up there against Kepka, Cantley, Shopley, and Scheffler who won it. I mean, that's rarefied air for the PGA. And and to go, you know, head to head on a Sunday in that environment too, because that, you know, there's a lot of players that skip this event. And the reason that they do is it's kind of like, you know. They don't want the five, six-hour rounds at Pebble, and they don't want the madness of the waste management open. So, you know, it, it requires a certain mindset to compete in these, in these two events that's completely different than the normal, you know, week in, week out. So to be put in that environment and get that close, yeah, I, I, I think that's a testament to his skill, hands down. And talking about Kepka, you had mentioned our uh, our buddy Brooks and coming out of the gate I'm going man are we going to see a uh, a defending champion come back and uh, and win for the second year in a row here and looking at him the first couple of days I thought hey we've got a uh, we've got a legitimate shot at seeing uh, seeing Brooks come back and win back to back years and in 21 he had the full mix bag, our, our brand agnostic poster child, and now playing a full deal from Trixon. And Gene, I know we were going to talk about uh, you know, the, the Trixon product and get into some of the Trixon woods. And when we were doing some testing, I, mean, I feel like that's a good segue. Let's talk about the clubs <laughs> that, uh, that Brooks is playing. Let's get into some of the, uh, the Trixon product. Sure. Sure. So, um, we tested, um, and I want to kind of discuss both the Strixon and the Mizuno today. So we tested the um, ZX5 and the ZX7. And um, what we found is the ZX7 is a lower launching, lower spinning product than the ZX5. So it's it's got a really, really uh, boring trajectory. The ZX5 uh, on all three toe hits, and when I say that, we're talking center toe, <coughs> high toe, and low toe, um, had really strong distance loss. And what I mean by that is there was very little minimal, there was minimal distance loss on toes versus uh, geometric center. So they've really designed that club well if you hit the ball out on the toe. Um, the ZX7 is a little bit more balanced on um off-center hits. So the toe and the heel shots um, kind of drop off the same. So if you were a player that misses more towards the toe, the ZX5 we found is probably more beneficial. If you are a player um, 
that's looking for a lower launching, lower spinning, i.e. if you're swinging up on the ball and hitting a high ball, the ZX7 is, is a really well-balanced golf club that's got a real good boring trajectory to it. I mean, that's exactly what we had kind of found in the uh, in the fitting environment, too. I mean, Shrixon's been a little bit of a sleeper in the in the metalwood category, and new ZX5, ZX7 has been you know, fairly impressive. I mean, to your point, ZX5, super, super stable. I mean, this golf club just wants to go straight. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there is a big demographic of player out there that might have a little bit of an issue with that toe strike and that toe miss. And people come in with their preconceived biases on what type of driver they should be playing and not necessarily open to the idea of trying anybody other than a TaylorMade, a Callaway, a Cobra. And the Shrixon product is like I said, uh, fairly impressive. And it's a, uh, it's a little bit of a sleeper and to have a multi, <clears throat> a multi, uh, major winner like Brooks Kepka make the change and go into a full deal from Shrixon. I mean, that right there should be a testament. And then you've got Matsuyama, you know, our, our master's champion that also full Shrixon deal. I mean, that should say something about the quality of their product. These guys aren't going to make those deals unless there is something there that justifies, hey, this is good quality stuff. And hey, there's there's so many options as far as customability and hey, changes that you can make. Hey, it's worth taking a look at. Oh, absolutely. So I, I, I've worked with <clears throat> Sumitomo, who's dunlop golf in japan and they're the number one golf club company in japan and they have i've been over to kobe and been over to their testing facility they have three of my robots uh they block and tackle really well and and it's interesting because and it's kind of a testament to the japanese mindset um you know they purchased so Srixon was their American branch, but it was only golf balls starting out. And then they sure. purchased then they purchased Cleveland and kind of merged it together and then started incorporating products. But this is 10, 15 years ago, and they've had the long view the entire time, which I, I there I'll tell you, there were times in that last 10 or 15 years where I was like, maybe they should get out of the golf business because they just were not making a dent. They were, you know, not successful. But they kept persevering and kept offering products and slowly gaining acceptance, especially amongst uh, – it, it started out with lesser tour players. Now you have elite tour players. But they they do make good products. They block and tackle really well. And now they're starting to um, kind of see the fruits of their labor, basically, from you know this long-term strategy. And I mean, kind of talk to us a little bit when we were doing the robot testing with ZX5 and ZX7. I mean, I know what we're seeing in the fitting bays and in player testing that I'm kind of curious, ball speed numbers, spin numbers. What was the, uh, what was the big difference that you saw between those two drivers? Well, the, um, <clears throat> the ZX7 had higher ball speed and and primarily because of the lower spin lower launch you know that 
the the more energy you put into a ball spinning, and these are kind of rough numbers, but if you are say at uh, 130 miles an hour ball speed, which is about a 95 mile an hour swing approximately, and uh, you have 3,000 RPM of spin, and you lower that to 2,000. So you're just changing the spin, but the head speed is still the same. You can gain anywhere from two to four miles an hour of increased ball velocity, and that's just by affecting spin. So I think the ZX7 is an example of um, by lower launching and lower spinning, you get a, a better transfer of energy. The downside to that is if you are an average player that swings over the top and hits down on the ball you might need that launch and and even that spin if you're slow enough to get the ball airborne so it is it it's you know once again and you can attest to this in the fitting world it's directly a function of what your delivery your club head delivery is and one of the beauties of everything that we do from a testing standpoint is there is no one perfect fit there are multiple uh, options that we can provide based on your launch conditions and based on your head delivery conditions, you know, to, to try to, you know, optimize your, um, your, your, your flight. No, absolutely. I, uh, I would echo that every day. And I mean, looking <laughs> at the shape of these two drivers, I mean, ZX seven, really, really clean, classic shape. I mean, it is a, uh, it's a little flatter. It's a little shallower. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it is, it's got a really, really good shape to it. And then transitioning into the more forgiving, as we have kind of talked about, mm -hmm. ZX5, much more stable platform, has a little bit of a draw bias to it. And like you talked about, that toe miss, <clears throat> not having the drop off that we saw from some of the other product that we tested and ball speed off of the a broader hitting area on the face stayed pretty stable. I mean, it was, yeah. uh, it was right there with, as I would refer to, like the the big three, big four manufacturers, our our Callaway, our TaylorMade, our Titleist, our Cobra, I mean, they were they were right there with the performance numbers. And yeah, absolutely. I've had I've had good success with people that do have a tendency to struggle with spin issues and launch issues, and yeah, may have an issue with that rightness that some of us see from time to time. The uh, the ZX five has been a really good opportunity for these players to see some, some good improvements, especially in the driver category. Well, and, and, and to your point, and I think this is critical and it kind of, uh, <laughs> unintentionally ties into the Scotty Scheffler thing in, in, in that you keep an open mind when you, when you look at equipment, don't, don't get locked in, you know, test things out and see what the performance characteristics and you might end up with a mixed bag or you might end up with you know a complete bag from one manufacturer but the point is uh i, I would strongly recommend don't have preconceived notions when you go in to be fit now there there is a psychological aspect that if you love the way taylor sure. look you know and 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 there's a and there's a brand loyalty thing and i get that because you know it's between the ears that really ultimately matters from a confidence standpoint once you, we've worked out all of the launch condition things so if you don't feel confident even though this club 
you know, test the best for you, it's, it's simply not going to work. But that being said, I think a lot of players have preconceived notions and they don't allow themselves the opportunity to find a piece of equipment that may be better optimized for them. Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> that is a challenge that we face every day is <laughs> getting past the, the player bias, the preconceived notion, the, you know, what I think I need and the, the disconnect of feel versus real is huge. But yeah. I mean, having so many different products to test, I think that's what kind of makes it fun is if you yeah. do have an opportunity to get with a, a player that is open-minded and just wants what's going to work best. There are so many good options out there. And I mean, I, I tell everybody, everybody makes good stuff, just might not be the right one for you. That's why we test. Exactly. 100%. 100%. So from a gear perspective, and I'm really, really impressed with what Trixon's done over the last few years. And yeah, it, it, and, and they're not I going anywhere it, anytime soon. No, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And it's it's interesting because their marketing strategy and it's the reason that they started Strixon was nobody knew who Sumitomo was, and then they became Dunlop. And so they've literally been growing this brand, but the majority, I think, of golfers don't understand that it's a Japanese based company, you know, and, and they see Cleveland Strixon, it's here in Huntington Beach in California, but they don't realize kind of and I understand the strategy. They wanted an American-based kind of presence, but the Japanese pedigree of the amount of, and, you know, they make great golf balls too. And it's just, uh, you know, both, um, both pieces of equipment, uh, they're, they, they do a great job on. And it's just interesting because I think a lot of players just don't quite realize what the brand's about is what I would say. I would agree with you a hundred percent. And we talked about Cleveland and having a, an American based, you know, kind of platform to, to grow these brands off of and Roger Cleveland, you know, the, uh, the godfather of Cleveland golf. Where's, where's he at now, Gene? Where's Roger? He would, he would be a Callaway. So there's, uh, I've, I've had that conversation again more times than I could even count. People come in and oh, I only play Cleveland wedges. I only play Cleveland wedges, and you know I kind of scratch my head and I go, "Well, you know the guy that designed the Cleveland wedge just happens to be the uh, the wedge designer at Callaway now, right?" And uh, oh no, I didn't know that. But, <laughs> well, there's uh, there's an opportunity there to still potentially play that wedge that you like so much. It's just potentially going to have a different name on it. So yep. it's uh, it's just getting past those those biases. So gear spotlight. What uh what else we want to talk about this week, Gene? So uh, the other um, clubs that we tested that I wanted <coughs> to talk about this week are the uh, Mizuno line. And the especially the STX and the STZ. Um, what we found in testing was the STX uh, was a higher launching of the um, three clubs um, with a mid to high spin and almost equal dispersion on uh, off center hits. So very very stable. Whereas the STZ was lower launching 
lower spinning, kind of like what we talked about with the ZX7, um, than the X. And it also had a larger sweet spot with minimal off center hit distance drop off. So, um, some interesting, you know, offerings from Mizuno. And Mizuno is another Japanese company that, you know, makes good products, has, has a pedigree name in Japan, but doesn't necessarily translate to the American golf audience. If you probably ask 100 golfers, maybe 30 would know that Mizuno was even in golf, and those would be the hardcores. It's just they, uh, they're, they're um, you know, their main claim to fame is once you get to a certain level of handicap i.e. a five or a six you go to mizuno blades and that's like the that's like the macho statement of macho statements amongst you know better players so they're you know they're they're really known as a better players iron um uh company and i think unfortunately what that does is that doesn't allow exposure to the greater audience because a lot of people kind of self-segregate and go, well, I can't play Mizuno because I, you know, I'm an 18 handicap and they don't realize a lot of the technology that it was put in, especially to the drivers. Um, and they have multiple offerings. So it's not just a better players club. No, it's, uh, I mean, they have a, they have a huge portfolio of options out there for the different players. And, in the testing that we've done and specifically kind of hitting on your point with the iron category, my own personal bias when I was playing a decent amount of golf and sucked a little less than I do now, my favorite set I think that I had had when it came to being able to have control of my golf ball was a combo set of MP60 MP32s. And I mean, those irons were phenomenal and they will forever have a special place in my heart, but <clears throat> getting so, into... so wait, wait, hold on, hold on real quick. You had a blended set. I did. I did. I had a, take me through, take me through the fitter had a blended set. So take me through the psychology of that. Cause I think that's something that, <clears throat> uh, the listeners would really be interested in is, Here's here's someone who has access to everything, but they're blending two sets together. And, and take me through the kind of the concept and the reasoning for that. I did. It was a uh, it was a little bit of a combo set, and just like we had kind of talked about with Scotty, that MP60 set had a little, and I'm talking minimal, a little bit more perimeter weighting and forgiveness to it. So I did have MP60 in the in the longer irons just to give myself an opportunity to. Know, hit the ball a little higher, not necessarily have to dime every shot every time, but then also still maintain that kind of classic look and shaping with thinner top line, a little less offset, gave me an opportunity to hit the shots and control the golf ball a little more like I wanted to at that point in time in my life. And then the 32s were, and like you said, kind of the, if you were a player, MP32s were just the club to have. Oh, yeah. And they were great feel, great look. The The acoustics coming off of it were great. Distance control and consistency were great. And at that particular point in time, I mean, building that blended set, my three, four, five iron were MP60 and then transitioned into the 32s. And as with 
most players that you know didn't have access to a good quality fitter back then i uh went into Vokey wedges and that was just the uh the set makeup <coughs> wow very cool very cool but you know once again and you you gravitated towards that because that gave you the most confidence and that allowed you the best opportunities to score well it did i and i knew where my ball was going i knew that i could hit certain shots and hit them through a a particular window when i needed to and there was just a ton of confidence in that particular set of irons and i got rid of that set of irons because i'm a gearhead and i like to tinker and i there was there was definitely like a uh, a period there where i just felt like a lost puppy and didn't know what to do and <laughs> i i went down the rabbit hole of testing and i mean it took me quite a while to find another set of irons that uh that performed as well as that combo set that i built wow interesting so there's something to be said <laughs> there as well that you know uh it, there's new technology every year but at the same time if you do find something that works sometimes it's it's sometimes good to stay locked into that you know as long as long as you can absolutely and i mean getting into some of the new gear when you look at the the lineup that Mizuno has for 22 and transitioning from wedges to irons to utilities and driving irons and into the STZ and STX, I mean, there are, there's a good amount of equipment out there for a broad demographic of player. I mean, the STX being neutral to a little bit draw bias and then the, the STZ being little lower launching lower spinning like we talked about and producing some some faster ball speeds and having that more classic shape i mean there's a lot of innovation that goes into these heads and a mm -hmm. lot of tech and they don't necessarily carry that that hefty price tag but they still check the boxes on tech they still check the boxes on shape and sound and ball speed and and i would encourage people to have that open mind and do some testing with these when they come in for pits yeah absolutely Hundred percent agree. All right, guys. I think we made it through this episode without J Wall. Any parting words from you guys? Thoughts on uh, Genesis this week, or should we just wrap things? I'm up? I'm actually heading up tomorrow, so um, I'm excited to see how the course is going to set up. And um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a shame that you know, uh, like Bryson's not going to be there, and obviously Tiger's not going to be there, but. Um, I, I think it should be an exciting tournament and, you know, maybe we can talk about next week. The one thing we didn't touch on, but we'll leave it to next week is the Saudi golf tour and all, everything that's, uh, that's loaded with that. So hopefully we'll oh, get a I want, bit more <laughs> I want to get Jay Wall's input on that one. You know, he's going to have an opinion. And there's a lot of, it seems like there's a lot of misinformation out there between the media saying one thing, Bryson's people saying another. So hopefully that's all sorted next week and we can get Jay Wall's opinion on that. But Gene, have fun out Thank there you. at the Genesis. Should be a great tournament. Looks like outside Bryson will have the world's top 10 yep. there. Um, so it should be a very competitive field. And that will do it for episode 128 of Fully Equipped and only two of them without Jonathan. So he definitely deserved this week. In the meantime, I'm sure he'll still be posting to our Fully Equipped social. So if you want to keep up on all the gear content throughout the week, 
Check out at fully underscore equipped on Twitter and at fully equipped golf on Instagram. I have no clue what the ticky tacky is since Tursky left. So we're just going to leave that be. Uh... Um, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week.